one that's one that uh, uh, you know um, i'm reminded of is uh, instamojo so sampad uh, the founder of instamojo we were in middle of an engagement i think at one point um, he was one of those who said that uh, that uh, mohit we have been running this business for 7 8 years but it's only now we have understood that what do we really do welcome to the story rules podcast with me ravi shankar ayer where we learn from some of the best storytellers in the world find their stories and unearth the secrets of their craft today we speak to mohit bansal of tech rooster the guy who went from getting fired as an intern to now building multi million dollar decks for india's leading startups we speak to mohit about why it's critical for him to find the anchor of the story first his unique visual approach to crafting a startup's narrative and also some of the tools that he prefers to create his stories let's dive in so i'm super excited to have my first guest mohit bansal of deck rooster welcome to the podcast mohit how are you doing i'm good ravi thank you so much i'm equally excited to to be part of this uh, uh, looking forward to the the interaction today so mohit's company creates two kinds of decks investor decks when companies are trying to raise money from investors and sales decks when companies are trying to pitch to customers now before we start i wanted to give some context to the quality of work that mohit does all of us tell stories at work and these stories might be in the form of conversations emails um reports and presentations presentations are a crucial way in which we tell stories now there are different types of presentations it could be on the one end of the spectrum you've got something which is like a mundane weekly review that you probably just send to your client uh, probably you know not so high stakes on the other end of the spectrum we have the pitch deck that you are sending out to your potential investor for raising money now the stakes there are incredibly high because the quality of that deck could determine the difference between you getting funded versus not getting funded between getting a 10 million valuation or a 100 million valuation and so your story game has to be top notch for that particular story for that particular deck and which is where uh, mohit and his team come in and uh, before i kind of you know ask him how he does this magic let's find out about this magic right so here are some of the clients uh that mohit has worked with there's this huge uh funding event that happened recently where khata book got funded uh, mohit and his team helped uh, with the khata book tech insta mojo games to win bracklet i am jobs polycycle jombay all of these companies have used mohit mohit services to build their decks and uh, these have been funded by companies whose name you might have heard uh, so these are some of the investors uh, like Goldman Sachs, Axel Partners, Khosla Ventures, Sequoia, IDG, Bloom, Y Combinator. That's some pretty seriously impressive names Mohit. And before I hand it over to him, a few last words from some of Mohit's clients. Don't waste 2% on a banker. These dudes at Deck Rooster rock. This is by Ravish Narish who's the CEO at Khata Book. Yes, one more. Mohit is great at visualization creating awesome optics and subtle but effective diagrams and charts but what was most stunning 
was a deep dive into each of the businesses to actually unearth insights and key speaking points. After the intense few sessions that delivered us wow presentation, Mohit's rigor and focused application made me learn more about my business than I originally did. This is Alok Kejriwal, the CEO of Games to Win. What magic do you do like this, Mohit? <laughs> uh, I think that just makes the uh, makes the task of explaining things even more difficult. Uh, see, for us, uh, when we look at uh, any of our decks, we we really don't try to take credit of somebody being able to raise money uh, or we don't even try to take the blame of somebody not being being able to raise money because we believe that uh, our job is to put the story well uh, in front of the other people so our, the way we gauge our performance is if the founder feels excited and happy about putting across a story that he feels comfortable with and he feels people can resonate well with and that's a that's that's a job well done for us uh, the outcome of that whether the funding happens or not we believe there are many many other parameters which are outside of our control and even outside of a founder's control even founder doesn't have a control over uh, you know how's the funding ecosystem looking like or what what's a you know a pandemic situation going on so um, that's an extreme case but even you know one big uh, competitor getting funded and somebody nobody else is putting money to any of the competitions so there are so many other factors which go go behind um, some the decision of being funded or not fu- getting funded so we really don't try to take a credit or blame of that but i think uh, uh, our focus is on really deeply understanding what a founder wants to say what's his story really like um, so see i think largely uh, at a very 10000 feet view what we try to do is we look for a business where um, the business is working really well which is basically that there are many customers that the business has and the customers are happily using the product and that for us is a sign that there is some underlying story um, that's a parameter we look for when taking up a client if that's the case we know now there is something underneath uh, it may not be articulated now our job is to get in uncover all of that and articulate a story around it um, and the purpose of story for us is simply something which is easy to understand for other people uh, we believe that most businesses and most communication can be simple enough to explain to anyone even if somebody doesn't um, come from background of that business so we look for ways to create a a narrative story is a fancy word but basically we try to create a communication which is simple enough for someone else to understand that's largely what we try to do fabulous yeah mohit so yeah i think uh, looking at some of these reactions uh, founders you know they they are great at probably telling the story themselves so when they give such high praise clearly there's a lot of effort uh, thought and i think skill that has gone into it and that skill is not something that you have i guess you know built over the last 2 3 years it's it's been probably decades in the making and i'm actually going to start with your own story mohit and then we'll move on to saying you know how is it that you approach telling a story or a narrative of a startup so i you know a great place to start by the way all listeners is to go and read mohit's linkedin profile just have a look at it and one thing that struck me was how candid honest and vulnerable he is so i'm going to pick up some lines from his linkedin profile and we're going to ask him you know what was the thought process in writing it like that so this is one thing that he writes about when he says about uh, yeah so at his very beginning of his professional career he took on an internship and this is what he writes what could be the worst start of someone's professional career 
would getting fired as an intern make it to the top of that list and then he goes on to talk about getting fired when he talks about a job with a company called mahindra ssg where he says when i joined mahindra ssg my greatest fear in life probably was public speaking apparently the interviewers couldn't figure that out or maybe they didn't care and then this one uh, when he moved on to a manufacturing startup with a friend with a partner uh, in chandigarh where he says we started everything from scratch and did everything it required from getting bank loans to getting tons of government clearances and then in brackets bribing officials was a part i hated the most and this is rare mohit i don't see people pouring their heart out so openly in some of these uh, you know profiles where it's more you know talk let's talk about the good things or you know it's it's more anodyne very very basic and you know banal and boring so where does this openness this candidness this vulnerability come from <clears throat> uh i i don't have a good answer to that ravi uh i see it now i think uh, it has uh, it came naturally to me at some point probably and uh, i think uh, now i see it in action quite a bit because i see uh, we being rewarded for um this candidness and um honesty um you know at the cost of being sounding immodest but uh we see this every day at decruster talking to our clients also but i think uh, i'm not too sure how where it comes from i think a lot of these things become part of you as mm. you're growing up age um something in probably in our family uh, environment in our family culture you know the way my parents probably behave uh, something of that might have uh, triggered something in me and that's how i i am but i think uh, i think it just um, i think all of us want to be more authentic um, it just i probably we sometimes we feel it puts it at some risk or something but i think uh, once you try it and i think it becomes very hard to go back so uh, i don't know i mean i don't have a good answer on where it comes from but i think uh, i just started being this at some point without realizing and <laughs> now i'm quite aware of that um, how this is actually helping us rather sometimes uh, now being honest and i know that how the reactions for the potential client will be it makes me feel i am being really honest uh, because i am being aware when i am being honest uh, so when i am telling something honestly i know how the reaction is going to be and i can i can feel is it is it some manipulation that i am doing by being honest to someone that's how i look wow. at it right now that is deep so uh, i'm sure it has <clears throat> helped you at work also of course you know one is maybe when clients ask for too much or you know you know there's an assignment that you don't want to do or you know can you give me examples of situations where it's helped you at work sure uh, so it didn't start with the conscious thought actually i mean we we were be- being whatever we were and uh, or rather i was being whatever i was um, and uh, so over time what we have come to realize um, having heard from many sales uh, many prospects uh, in the process of selling the first call that we have whenever people reach out to us um, in whichever case we feel that the client should not work with us because of the stage the company is in or because of where the story is or if we don't think we can add a lot of value to this client no matter how much the client wants to work with us we tell them that if we would be in your place we would not work with ourselves um, and we would i would strongly recommend them to take a stab at their own deck um hmm. at that stage maybe a few iterations uh if i really like the client i sometimes offer them 
a review of their deck um, mm. also because i if i genuinely feel that uh, they should not work with us i will do whatever i can to um, to to warn them that this may, may not be a good idea uh, and in many cases the reason is pretty simple i think it, it comes down to some logic so um, just to give give you a quick background on why i do do this let's say for for the clients why do i tell them is because i've come to realize that whenever we are working with the early stage company their pitch is very fragile uh, no matter what they do what they tell us and then what we do uh, as a story for them there is a very high chance when they when the pitch is ready and they go and talk to some investors they might give them a perspective that completely change the story for them they might want to come back and change the whole thing and suddenly they have invested this much of money with us working with us and but the story is changing and i can mm. see that already that's going to happen so i tell them that that's going to happen so they like it they they can see it basically many times they know it that's the right thing to do uh, that they have to do the deck themselves but just nobody is telling them that they should be doing it so they keep looking out for some solution so when we tell them they really like it and in many cases that helps us in a way um, so whether uh, in some cases they will convert for us uh, as a client because they really trust us uh, to even if they don't convert which many of them do, do not because we tell them not to they become like brand ambassador for us they go out and confidently tell even if they have not seen a deck they have not worked with us um, engaged fully but they'll go out and tell many people and that's how things have really worked out very well for us uh, there are many many people who keep referring us to other people that's a great point mohit and it uh, you know when i uh, teach storytelling in in sessions one thing that i tell participants that you know it, it resonated with what you were talking with me is that stories have both a short term and a bit of a long term impact right so and many times people are worried about the short term impact and so let's say there's a business division leader who has to present to the board and that quarter has been a bad quarter right so there is a huge tendency then say yaar chupate let's hide yeah. some of the stuff let's not show everything and we'll just weather the storm in this board meeting and then we will see later baad ke baad dekhenge types right so i think that's a very risky strategy because what you're doing there by not being authentic by not being honest is that you you might escape that particular moment or that particular review but it will catch up and when it catches up then the damage will be far worse because it's your reputation that gets damaged on the contrary when you do what you're doing sure there may be some short term loss you know maybe it's a it's a month in which you don't have any other client and that's the only guy who's come knocking to the door and you're telling him no i don't think i can help you i don't think i'm the right person to help you you lose that business then you get that short term hit but uh, as you're rightly saying the long term benefits that you will get from that are far far better so thanks for sharing that um now go, moving back to your story mohit so you you've been you know uh, had a very diverse uh, set of work experiences so as you have said you know from being a poultry farmer to being in manufacturing uh to various kind of services to i think where you started to probably find your mojo was the the lpad um, in 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 chandigarh which was which was a launch kind of a thing for startups uh, was yeah. it was it something like that that's right and uh, then from there you move to this company called sokrati where you were as you rightly say uh, with this tent i took on another fear of mine sales and then you talk about how you went out and pitched to clients and got uh, deals some really big deals done and here you are kind of saying that you know here's where you love to bring stories to life with kickass powerpoint presentations 
and you, you you say on your profile that there's hardly a dick across the company that gets done without my input that's great right so here is where i feel that you discovered or you know the inner storyteller uh, flowered and uh, can you take us back to this stage of your life uh, what do you think were the influences and what was was there a moment or an incident that you know really struck or remains with you so my journey with the presentations actually began when i was doing alpad just before sokrati which was uh, supposed to be an incubator for startups uh, this started when i came across uh, somebody introduced me to somebody's presentation which was very simple presentations um, which had every slide had one one image and a little bit of text and uh, i really loved that format of presentation from that day onwards i started really making all my presentations like that um, when i joined sokrati so sokrati was a digital marketing agency um, and i i joined them as a um, first sales guy so having the sales role there uh, we started by revamping the deck because that gave me a chance to understand the offering better at the same time uh, the company really was in need of simplifying their offering for people to understand so so what we ended doing was basically start by redoing the deck and uh, in the process we kind of simplified the entire offering now from there on i realized that you know i was good at making the deck and whenever we were doing the sales deck of course i was the one doing it because i was part of the sales team but uh, from then on people have been realized that i'm good at making decks people had not seen kind of good looking decks um, until that point and they probably hadn't come across someone who who can make good looking decks uh, so i think then on every deck which was getting made in the company kind of somehow found a way to me uh, for some inputs because i was sometimes good at uh, putting together the story flow and sometimes you know helping them with better visuals but i never took it very seriously i mean i was just doing as as uh, any of us do will like writing an email somebody might be good at writing emails but you don't think of it as a really as a strong skill in the sense of taking up as a job um so i mean i really enjoyed doing the whole process of uh, uh, making presentations but kind of never took it very seriously i think it was only when uh, i was uh, thinking of leaving sokrati uh, that's when i was thinking of what to do next and that's where the this thought came into my mind of uh, you know this is one skill that i'm good at uh, which is designing presentations but i was very unsure very really doubtful about uh, if anybody would have actually ever wanted so so but that's that's how that's when i for the first time i thought so of how would you know because many times when we think that we are good at something we look for some external validation uh, was there something or someone or somebody telling you something about that yeah so the first external validation came from me making all these decks that i was good at it now i was also seeking huh. still external validation in terms of whether this is a good idea to start with so i dropped an email to four of my friends um saying hey you know here is what i'm thinking of doing i'm good at making presentations here are a few sample presentations that i've recently made and i'm thinking of uh, oh. offering this as a service what do you think so oh. interestingly two of them replied it's great go ahead and do it and two of them said no it doesn't seem like oh. a great idea <laughs> so that didn't help much <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> oops but i think uh, yeah so but i think then um, but that that thought stayed with me for some time and i was thinking whether that will really make sense it wasn't really very exciting idea it just seemed like something that i would love to do but didn't seem like a very great business idea in that sense um so uh 
essentially what i did and ended up doing was i did a quick back of the uh, another calculations on how much i might end up charging for a deck and how many decks can we do in a month hmm. and that seemed like a huh. fair number to say that it can take care of our expenses so said, let's let's jump in and do it um, that is largely it how did you get your first client uh, that wasn't very difficult to actually um, so because i was uh, thinking of leaving sokrati and uh, think of doing something else i was already in touch with a few people trying to uh, trying to just get the suggestions on uh, uh, of all the various thing that i had in mind to do i was just bouncing off these ideas with people and uh, once this idea of doing offering presentation designer service was sort of nearly finalized i started telling people that this is what i'm thinking of doing so i had a pretty decent network probably because of my sokrati days uh, being a sales guy mm. and even before that i had been fairly active in the startup network so i had a decent network and i reached out to my network and told them here is what i do um quite quite a few of them came back and said hey we can use this service this looks very interesting for us um but i think the first client came from um a friend who was working in some company and when i told him he said hey maybe our company can use this mm-hmm. so he uh, you know put me in touch with uh, the the ceo and we had a quick discussion uh interestingly mm-hmm. they were looking for a they had an investor meeting in four days and uh, we were having this discussion and they were like you know we need a deck by monday this is probably thursday <laughs> and i was like okay we can do it huh. but I, i don't know how much time it will take because this is going to be my first deck huh. and uh, yeah so we we said okay let's do it i mean you you have a meeting on monday you have a meeting on monday we can't do anything about it so let's work as a team yep. and let's see what huh. is the best we can do from wherever you are so we actually for the first project i ended up just picking the templates from the web and redoing their presentation to whatever extent we can so uh, made the visuals a little better make the flow a little better and i think by huh. working day and night for a few days i think we ended up giving the presentation by sunday evening so they they had a good i they, the company actually ended up raising some money also again but i would not take credit amazing for that. <laughs> what a story yeah. yeah amazing well you couldn't ask for a better start that way so that that's yeah so but it also kind of shows the the effort and the stretch which which i guess you know most uh, startup founders are so now but you were pretty much an entrepreneur yourself right with uh, deck rooster and uh, one um, temptation that many founders have is to say that you know let me take what i get so there's this famous line that i remember by subrato mm-hmm. bakchi one of the mindtree co-founders right where he says that when you start a company you're a bit like a street dog that you know you don't know where your next meal is going to come from so you're going to be like very uh, scrappy that whatever you're getting just get it and do it right and uh, you have a very clear point of view that no we are not going to be making anything any presentations for anyone we are going to be making two types of presentations investor pitch decks and sales decks so how did you get that clarity of focus and especially in the early days how did you manage to you know not get distracted so i think it wasn't so well thought as it might seem now uh, i think what we have done well over time is to stick to that uh, but in the beginning i think it was all uh, just uh, various things coming together for example when we started the so i was discussing with a friend and what we were discussing is whether to pay, offer this service to larger companies corporates or to offer this to mm. startups and uh, one common thought that we both had is that it doesn't make sense to offer this startup because they don't have the money already uh, and we can't ch- yeah, we can't yeah. you know sort of try to charge them for this uh, 
uh, it'll be better to go to huh. corporates because they they already have the money they can pay right. you better so while we were thinking hmm. logically in the sense of saying let's let's go and pitch this to corporates but my somehow my heart was always towards startups because that's the world i came from so <laughs> i thought let me try it out for some time just offering this to startups and then see where it goes if it doesn't go maybe we can come back to corporates but just thinking in my head about offering the service to corporates versus startups somehow it just the idea of offering this to working with startup pulled me towards it and that's how i started doing it and uh, so i think that's one and two my network was around startups so so my initial clients were coming mm-hmm. from startups and i think that's how it it came from all of that um very soon we had an experience of working with a larger corporate we realized that the it's better that we stay away from probably larger companies because um, we realize that when we have to do a, a good tech it's very important that we have a face time with the founder and we realize that with the larger corporate oh. it's very hard to get a face time with a uh, founder that's true and that's how it worked out so i think in the beginning it just happened for us but i think uh, we stayed the course and we stuck to that probably we made our own market in the sense of uh, offering the service to startups and you must have had some tough nose right you know i'm sure uh, opportunities came for doing this for uh, non startup or non sales techs and uh, you you it, it, was it easy difficult very difficult no, to say no of course it was it was difficult because uh, you know as you rightly said uh, bit earlier that you know there were many months were dry months right you you were always looking for how would you pay bills for the next month and uh, Uh, hmm. that never uh, that is never uh, that never always happens right so you are always hoping that the next month will be better than this one and at least next month will not be a dry month but that that month is always waiting out there waiting to happen so that there were many months of course i think um, in the beginning uh, i think in the first 6 months still we we did have couple of dry months uh, after a great start in the first 3 months and uh, at that time i think my expenses were low so i could focus on um, just fixing things at my end so what we ended up doing at that time mm. was with a i'm good at making presentations so i don't have work coming in so let me do this let me make a slide share on how to make a better deck and uh, maybe oh, that will help amazing. so we put that up on slide share uh, you know i spent a few days making that and put it on slide share uh, interestingly in a few hours i get an email from slide share that it has been uh, uh, published on the home page and that is like uh, a good surprise wow. i mean i i never expected that will happen amazing uh, so uh, uh. that got picked up and then there was a lot of uh, leads coming from that a lot of traffic came from that so that's how we probably whenever we had a dry month we were probably spending uh, some of this time to uh, you know do a little marketing at our end but but that's about it that's a fabulous insight mohit and you know I, i'm this is i think a great learning for listeners anybody who's doing their own stuff or even if in a, in a mid-sized startup right you know marketing is always a better approach than sales and you know you can't keep chasing people to say that you know hey give me business put your work out there you know so there is this uh, concept in storytelling that we talk about which is show don't yeah. tell don't tell that you're an expert show me that you're an expert and you know that uh, deck that you put up on slide share showed the world that you know your stuff and that, that was i think a great uh, uh, call that you took and uh, i think great learning for anybody who wants to showcase their expertise so that was great um now if you kind of look at some of the things that differentiate you of course is you know very high quality of work which goes by the, some of the clients that you work with this uh, razor focus on this domain of startups 
and sales rigs. And the third thing that I liked uh, when I was looking up your uh, Twitter and LinkedIn profile was your uh, data point that almost 100% of your clients come through referrals or recommendations. So you you are not really going out and you don't need to go out and actually canvas for business. So which is a which is a great place to be in. And there you mentioned that to drive in referrals and recommendations, you need an army of referrers. So I love that concept and how you've kind of, you know, broken that down. How do you actually build an army of referrers? Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, this was again a something which we it is not like we knew and we did it. It is like it happened and we hmm. we look back and say, how did it happen? Why why do we have all these uh, <laughs> so many references coming in? Um, and I sometimes yeah. feel it's the idea is pretty simple. And I really hope if I can tell everyone how to do it. Uh, but I just feel that it's simple. But like many good things, I think it's it's a very simple idea. But I think it's hard to implement uh, hard or to hard implement. to stay the course basically. So uh, yep. because we have been through that, we just. Now we have been through that. Now, now we can easily say that you know you should do it, but I'm not sure if I will be doing it. If I have to start all over again, if I will be still be able to do it. But the so idea is pretty simple. Mm. I think uh, what we realize over time that uh, almost all all the clients were coming from references, and uh, again not as a plan, but we were I think uh, by my nature I think I was just doing things which drove more uh, leads towards us, which uh, you know put out good word for us, and not really trying to. Go and do active sales. So we were doing marketing and not sales. Uh, whether it was publishing a pitch deck, uh, a slideshare, uh, writing an article, mm. posting mm. something on Twitter, or mm. doing some events, we are always trying to do things which will bring back people to us. Um, so what 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 we realize now, if I have to repeat all of this, um, if I have to make this happen again, I think what really helps us is uh, largely one is a just super focus on one niche. Uh, this really helps people in multiple ways. That one, I think, for example, I think the best thing that happens because I'm only doing presentation and I'm only doing investor deck and sales deck. Twenty-four by seven, I can just think about that. The only reading I have to do is only yeah. about uh, how to do better, better decks or better mm. investor decks, right? I don't have to worry about anything mm. else. I don't have to think about anything else. I don't spend time um, thinking how to get better at this or how to make a better deck. Just, just decks is the only thing I have to think about. Nothing else, right? So it mm. really. Hmm. One, it I think creates a perception that we are we are experts because you know if you're looking at out, looking at anyone, let's say even if you're looking at a at a doctor, you when you have a specific problem, you want to go to a specialist, not to a general physician. That's true. Because you feel that the right. the specialist would know something more than the general physician for sure, uh, and hence even if the general physician is charging uh, the specialist is charging more, you you might even pay that more. Uh, so we realize that. We are able to really uh, use this advantage. We use this to our advantage, being focused on what just one thing, because one, it creates a good perception of us, and two, it allows time to really be better at it. So we're continuously learning and becoming better at it, and it helps us create a perception of it. Uh, quality offering is was definitely one thing. I think uh, goes without saying that if your core is not good, the core is the your offering. If that doesn't solve a good problem, if that is not high quality, then of course nothing else will work. That that is at the core of it. And uh, the third thing that we also felt is that you know because we were as a we are a small business and we work with like two three four clients every month. So that's a very small number of clients we add mm. up every month. But what we realize is that right. we do interact with many more. So especially the mm. sales prospects that come to our, towards us, we're talking to all of them. If we can utilize them, so it was not like a conscious thought that we thought and did it. I think 
now we when we look back and we realize that we were talking to each one of them they had a good experience of talking to us in that one hour call and uh, that actually these guys went back even if they did not work with us they went huh. back and told many other people because many times whenever somebody comes to us we ask them hey how did you get to know just curious to know that and hmm. most of the times the name people are throwing up at us were something that we have never interacted with so at the minimum <laughs> what was happening is that somebody we had spoken to had spoken to someone else and those guys were telling someone else and these guys had come to us so what we realized is i think uh, a few things one because we were so focused on one thing it gives a perception that we are expert two they had a good experience with us uh, of having the call uh, three the the proposition was very simple to understand i really feel that this is also something critical that if you're doing something some something which is easy to understand and hence easy to explain to someone else now when does a referral happen so referrals happen when i know that the problem that you are facing the the someone that i i can refer if i have a good match if i know if i'm confident in my head that what you're looking for exactly mm. that guy i'm going to make the reference if i have a doubt i might avoid it right so i need to have a good confidence right. that one um you are exactly looking for that guy two i know that guy is also good if those two things are true i can actually drive the reference i i can make the reference happen right so i feel this single minded focus on one small thing and making sure everybody's uh, who's interacting with us is finding some value through that interaction uh, even if they don't work with us so i think those things kind of helped us uh, sort of i mean for lack of better words to words to build this uh, army of referrals uh, and if you are like dealing with two three clients actual paying clients in a month how many people would you actually deal with who are just prospects so roughly? we do end up having probably around uh, maybe 20 odd conversations we end up having 20 odd people might end up reaching to us um yeah so that's the almost 200 to 250 that's in right. a year yeah. that's that's a huge number yeah that's so that's a great point that mohit makes there that don't think of your references only coming from your clients every prospect who comes and talks to you can possibly be a great referrer for your business for which you have to even give them value even though they are paying you zero right and so uh, let's talk about how you drive that value right so you talk about uh, doing a quick slide deck review yeah. even if you know they're just a prospect so here you are doing a call with a prospective uh, startup and you have what a one hour yeah, call with them typically in one hour now how do you approach trying to quickly understand what they are trying to tell and you know giving them feedbacks what's your you know if if you break down that approach what what will be some of the things that you will try and do i think a large part of this uh, ravi is basically um, many of these many of the decks that we come across have very standard problems i think i can look at uh, you can send across you can tell me that you have a deck and i can choose not even look at it i can tell you 10 things that you can fix it and wow. because those are standard <laughs> problems across all decks right so even if i don't look at it i know that most decks have this problem and uh, so right. that makes it very easy because we know that for example titles are mostly wrong right people don't get the right titles yeah. um, i uh, so even if you make suggestions on title they suddenly realize that hey this makes so much more sense we should do this and this can mm. add so much mm. value to the deck right then and there uh, that the story comes out more clearly we tell them not to follow templates uh, you know again this standard list of things we many people are so confused about how to make a deck they go on on the web look for a template replicate their deck into a template mm. and try to put out the story there uh, but it never comes out and hence when you tell them that forget about the deck don't start from the, the sorry forget about template don't start from template 
uh, here is how you have to think about uh, the story that you want to tell the mm. the the yeah. you know the questions that your audience has and then think of the answers so we don't have the answers for them but we can make them think we can give them a framework to think ah, so it's largely brilliant. helping them tell that hey you know so standard things will go like uh, cut down a lot of text make it more visual um, you know start with the title put the titles let the story flow from the titles and then see what mm-hmm. what data has to go in the slide and um, many times people confuse between whether they're pitching to a customer or to an investor because uh, while they think of making a deck for one specific use case they end up you know yeah. the language that they use in the in a deck sometimes uh, confuses whom they're talking to um right from the hmm. the cover slide somebody might say something on the a tagline on the cover slide if you read and if you just think about the tagline for a second you will realize that the while the deck is for investor the tagline is for the customer and when you tell them these small the things oh. they are able to really find uh, fix some of these you know these are all low hanging fruit basically so mm-hmm. i think in that mm-hmm. one hour call typically do this but how it is structured is we give them 15 minutes to sort of uh, uh, tell the story that they want to tell to us the way they pitch the deck ah. uh, that gives us some more specific context about their business and their deck and what they're trying to say uh, and then we start you know partly some of this standard list of things that we can we can find wrong in the deck that we can tell the, them to fix and some ideas which might occur at that point in time of how if i have to fix this in the next one hour what things i'll fix uh, you mm. know again low hanging fruit but something more specific to their deck that's the do the suggestion that we give them that is so good yeah i mean uh, it comes from multiple i think positive things right one is that a desire to give you know even without having anything come back in return i think that that's a great thing just paying it forward or giving it uh, and also the experience and the expertise from years of having looked at something just helping you right so uh, yeah the lesson for i think anyone who is trying to pick this up uh, in becoming better storytellers is that keep honing your craft whatever that may be of course it may be storytelling as it is for you and me but it could be any other craft but keep honing it and then don't worry about saying hey every interaction i should be getting something back for that craft no just you know keep giving it and then the the references will come so that's that's great uh, mohit i think that's very useful you know uh, practice that you have and you that's how instead of uh, 20 to 30 you're creating 200 to 250 referrers you have 10x your uh, referrers in a year so that i think that that's how you create your army of referrers i love that all right so now let's come to your the main one which is you know now you have uh, a person who's a client and uh, you have a client engagement going how do you break that down what are the process steps that you take and then we'll kind of you know maybe work through each of the steps sure. so what are the key broad big uh, buckets so uh, so see one is uh... a process is quite messy at least that's how we, we feel uh, i think the first mm. half of the process is extremely messy where uh, we start feeling very uncomfortable you know we very feel that uh, we we're not sure if we'll be able to bring out the right story in this deck uh, and i think that happens quite often or let's say almost in every deck that we make uh, early in our early days i think we used to feel very uncomfortable with the feeling we used to feel that uh, uh, this won't work out <laughs> but i think over time we have gotten used to that the we realize that this is the nature of our work probably because uh, we have come to realize that whenever we had this feeling of uh, that this one won't happen well uh, the deck actually comes out much better uh, that probably is a sign that there is a a lot of mess in the way the information is currently presented 
and hence it seems like it's a it's a whole mess it's not going to work out it will be very hard to uncover the story but i think those are the ones where we add maximum amount of value so when we are not having this feeling rather now we get uncomfortable that this one is going to be a not much value added from our side uh, but in terms of process i think we still struggle a lot in terms of how do we how do we get someone else to do the same thing that we do uh, we have been constantly trying to document at our end uh, so that one day we can publish it so that more people can do the deck but i think i'll just walk you through on how we do it maybe that helps someone so so typically the process is around 4 to 6 weeks long for us to do one deck the way it starts is uh, we ask them for all the existing information any existing collaterals any industry articles any reports that you know that might be helpful for us to uh, sort of like a primer for us to get to know their business and industry hmm. and uh, the second thing that we do is uh, we do an interview with them which is like a one to two hour kickoff call so we have prepared a set of questions for sales deck as well as for industry deck that we start asking them these are basically starting point questions um, where which allows us to sort of uncover various various areas of the business and uh, from then on whatever are the answers we follow on further uh, probably that's where our our understanding of business comes in or our ability to quickly understand something and ask more questions around it comes in uh, that so because we believe that most of the information required for us to make a deck is typically in the head of the founder itself so so we do even if we don't look at anything else and only work with the founder and the information that he has in his head i think we have 90% of things covered already so so our job is to really uncover what's there in his head and articulate what he's trying to say so we start with this interview i think with this interview it's like dump taking dump of his head now we have large amount of universe of data so once have this once this data gathering is done we go back to reading a little bit more on uh the industry the competition websites uh you know some any other industry reports any other articles that we can come across um so once this data gathering is done then we spend a lot of time to put our head around this that's where we start sort of creating a mental model of the business where we are trying to see what are the various pieces of this engine the business is and how does it work with each other mm. what are the who are the various stakeholders and how do they engage with each other who sends what to whom where is the value added how does the money come back uh you know and how the various product lines sort of fit in all that basically we realize that it's once we are clear about this information it becomes like a um, a one mental model which we can explain to someone and someone someone can get what you're doing many times many people feel that they go through the entire deck or entire pitch but they can't figure out what what the company does it's like you know karte kya ho bhai <laughs> so i think we mm. spend a lot of time trying to figure that out that exactly very very clearly what are you doing because when people tell especially when founders tell i see there is a lot of overlap in the way they are telling telling things and they you know so we spend a lot of time in putting information in different buckets uh thinking more clearly many times i think visual thinking is also one of the tools we end up using which is basically simply uh sketching out things when you are putting out uh thinking about uh you know how does the money flow from the the customer to the company and if there are multiple stakeholders so just to give example let's say if i have to think about amazon i can start thinking about uh, uh what does amazon really do right so i'm thinking of amazon as one sort of a place where a lot of shopkeepers can come in they can put up a shop on uh, on amazon and a lot of customers can come in yeah. they can now start uh you know on the layer that amazon has created they can start uh uh looking at all these shops and a lot of these products that these shops have 
And when they buy, now suddenly Amazon on one side sends a confirmation to the customer and on one side sends a confirmation to the shopkeeper and say, this product has to be sent to this customer. Now they're continuously tracking mm-hmm. all of this information. And now the shopkeeper is going to send this in, this product to the customer and the he's going to pay the money. The money is going to come to this delivery boy. The delivery is going to go and deposit money at some central location. And then it is with the Amazon mm-hmm. and Amazon is going to keep a cut out of it and keep send some money back. Now, when you can think of this structure clearly, then suddenly we can see where are the gaps in someone who's telling us how it works. And even if we have to start thinking about if there are two other ways to make money, um, the, let's say Amazon has, then we can think about how does that mm. fit? How does this money flow from the customer again to something else? Or how does the money mm. flow from merchant to, the, uh, to Amazon? So we can look at all of that, it becomes very clear for us. Uh, that's the second part. So after data gathering, we, we sort this information out, uh, put it all in a very structured manner. So we end up using tools like Workflowy, which is simply a bullet list, which helps us think more clearly and structured. Yeah. Um, hmm. Once hmm. we have this universe of information, uh, we have been able to put our head around this whole information. I think sometimes the stories start emerging. We start realizing uh, what is the, uh, what is that we really want to say? If you have to say this in a few words, hmm. what, are the, what is the story we want to convey? Uh, so the way we look at it is we start bottoms up where we look at all the information down on the ground and see if they can a story can emerge out of it. That's bottoms up. And then we switch back to top down and then we start thinking because we have a good yeah. sense of now the entire universe of information, we start saying, okay, let me think of this, this narrative. Can I start saying this? Does this make sense? And then because we have mm. all this information in our head at the back of our mind, we can quickly validate those narratives and say, does this make sense? No, no, because if I say this, my, that piece about how I make money would not fit in here. Um, so we hmm. so we start going top down. Sometimes this narrative emerges when we are looking at all this data. Sometimes we have to forcefully spend time and think about what the narrative could be. Uh, and once we have this narrative, we start detailing it out, which is basically mapping the top down and bottoms up, where we detail out step by step what the what the flow of my story will be. What do I say first? What do I say second? What do I say third? And what supporting data points that I have uh, from all the universe of data that I had. So I start plugging mm-hmm. some of these data points, some things um, under these each of these points of the story. And once we have this story, I think uh, we work with the client. Uh, sure, this is what we've done. Uh, they are able to really start seeing how we are thinking about their business. Um, you know, and we are able to discuss certain areas that we probably would not have focused enough, which require more attention and certain areas which we mm. might have given more attention to and were not right, maybe were not important enough and something we might have missed and all. So we, we discuss with the client of our thought process and they, they kind of are able to share what they feel about it. And we work like a team and iterate on the narratives a few times. And once you have the narratives in place, I think then the, the process of visualization and design starts, then you start sketching out slides. We, we make slides, we use mm. this app called OneNote. Uh, I, so I'm going to uh, request you to just hold on for sure. that one. So let's kind of uh, dig a little deeper in the narrative part itself because it's it's fascinating how you kind of talk through the process. We'll come to the visual space after this. So some things that I really you know found striking uh, when you were talking with one is I love when you're saying when we are not comfortable with the story, that's a good sign. And I think that's a great takeaway for anybody who gets stuck in creating a story. Mm-hmm. And it may be, of course, people who are working on startup decks, but it could also be somebody who's 
a consultant working on a you know uh, an industry report for a client uh, an analyst who's you know studying uh, the financial markets for a particular company or uh, it could be a business guy who's you know trying to understand his business of course in that case they they know the the lay of the land better but it's okay to get stuck in your story because it's meant to be messy and especially if you've got a ton of information it's a great point you're making that you know if it is messy it's a good sign because that means your audience is also going to struggle to get it which is where the skill of the storyteller becomes uh, powerful and useful so i love that point um the other you know i think fascinating insight was to understand a business through the money flow and it seems it's one of those beautiful insights which is obvious in hindsight but you know when you actually think about it huh, I, i never thought about it like that uh to kind of you know almost draw it like you're a child and saying acha paisa he this guy gets the money then he pays him then he pays him this is how it's going so i think that's a very powerful way to simply understand a business i think i'm sure you've had some interesting conversations with founders where uh, they themselves probably get some in- insight by explaining it to you anything that strikes you or, or that, that you remember yeah i mean it does strike me that many founders do come up and tell us that uh, i mean now we have had many conversations where somewhere in the middle of our engagement the uh, we can either see it on the face of the client that they they're seeing it for the yeah. first time they are realizing they have never thought of their business as like this and i think almost in every interaction or at least 80% of our interactions uh, clients do tell us that uh, this is a very interesting way of looking at our business and we have never looked at this uh-huh. uh, and i think that's why they they end up uh, wanting to use a lot of this uh, uh, insight from the deck to make their website to make some other collaterals uh, because they suddenly like this clarity one that one that uh, uh, you know um, i'm reminded of is uh, instamojo so sampad uh, the founder huh. of instamojo we were in middle of an engagement i think at one point um, he was one of those who said that uh, that mohit um, we have been running this business for 7 8 years but it's only now we huh. have understood that what do we really do so uh, wow. so i think that yeah i think it's it's again i mean uh, the information is already there in their head they already know it they've been doing it probably hmm. uh, subconsciously but it just said somebody from outside like us comes in and helps them articulate what they're doing and they suddenly feel more empowered that now they can tell more easily because otherwise it was working fine when they sell products to customer customers are happy all that is working fine but when they start telling someone uh, it all falls apart somebody doesn't get it why it is working and i think they just feel empowered yeah. when they they can see that hey here is a very simple way that i can tell my story to someone fabulous yeah so it reminds me of that quote by ben horowitz right uh, i'm sure you know that that the story is not marketing the story is yeah. the strategy and your what you're doing is actually helping them clarify their company strategy which is i think very very high high order high quality work and so the we mentioned two things which was striking one is your discomfort at the beginning is actually a good sign that it's it's going to be a good story uh, the the focus on the money flow and really understanding the what's the value that's added at each step and the third thing that you talked about this interplay this this jugalbandi between the bottom up and the top down approach and you know the details yeah. spending your time in the weeds and also taking that helicopter ride up to say hey what's the big picture story here and uh, that's where the magic happens when you're able to kind of try out various patterns and then say hey this pattern seems to be fitting well but no this this part is not fitting okay let's redo this part so any 
instance or example that you remember of you know having gotten this pattern idea suddenly as an aha moment aha because that's that's the the fun part of us right you know getting that pattern any incidents or moments that you remember from yeah i mean uh, again i think i'll be shy of sharing uh, whatever goes in in instadec but i think because uh, uh, instamojo had published an article um, sharing this part of story i i'm okay sharing this i think uh, again so we had been working on instamojo for a for a while and uh, then yeah. uh, one of the big questions was that who exactly so instamojo just a quick background for someone who doesn't know is like uh, is a online portal where somebody can go up and start their own store um, very similar to shopify mm. that's more popular but um, yeah. uh, you know they are more uh, more specific to the uh, let's say the indian businesses so right so the question that we were trying to answer uh, as a process of the storytelling was uh, who are the clients of instamojo really uh, and uh, anybody who's trying to start their business online and during mm. this process of discussion who is it really who is it is it a panwala is it a is it a general store uh, is it a, <laughs> somebody who is trying to set up a a, a fashion blogger on instagram uh, who is it really whom we are targeting and the answer really was um, all of these because we had all kind of examples uh, and potentially could have all of these kind of people on instamojo and uh, but how do we explain this to investor and i think this just occurred to one of us in the team that the question was that okay let's look at who is not uh, let's say which kind of businesses we cannot oh. um, serve and we were realizing that there is really not no kind of businesses we cannot serve and the insight was basically that there is no offline business today so the tech axis does start from talking about how the age of offline businesses is over for good there is no offline business at all wow. and uh, uh, and the slide that follows basically talks about how uh some businesses are less offline or less online uh, but every business is online <laughs> somebody might be simply listed on google which is almost everyone and somebody might be on just dial somebody might be on amazon somebody might be on instagram for example um or somebody might have their own website but everybody is online and hence they are all trying to be more and more online for various reasons and that's where instamojo comes in hmm. and that's that was really for us and i think for hopefully for sampad also was something that um kind of really Uh, resonated with all of us, and this made all the sense. And suddenly, it felt like all the pieces have fallen in place. And I think that became the anchor for our entire story, and we built everything from there. That's an amazing example, yeah. I love that. Uh, no offline business. Even the panwala is an online business, and yeah, you're right. So everybody takes, you know, either payments or they are they are up there. They have some reviews. Or if they are on, they might and, be on WhatsApp, uh, right? That's also online in a way. So, yeah. oh, that's also online, absolutely. so it's uh, instamojo is one of those uh, uh, guides who's helping uh, the, the vast legion of businesses to transition from this world of offline only to a world of offline yeah. plus online uh, business fascinating that that's yeah i think that that's the magic I, once you have given that insight then i think the rest of it is uh, is important but uh, easier true. is my that's sense true. do you, would you agree yeah. i think yeah. we we feel this all the all, all the time until we have found that anchor for us in the story we keep struggling mm. because mm. everything seems like different pieces are not part of one big thing uh, and once we find that anchor yeah. it suddenly start falling in place we start feeling like um, you know everything is moving with this big engine um, so yeah you're right uh, that's how it feels 
what is uh, mohit a better way for you in your experience to find that anchor insight is it a reflection where you you just think about it maybe you know when you're walking or when you're jogging or whatever or is it more discussion talking to other people brainstorming i i mean i would love to figure out what it is but i think the it's a mix of all of these <laughs> things uh, i think yeah. having discussions with people uh, forces you to think more clearly because when if i might talk yeah. to you it might you might ask questions which i might not have thought of and suddenly that makes me think more clearly and question myself and that helps me think more clearly that's a forced right. way of thinking more clearly because you uncover certain gaps in my thinking uh, but i think most of the times the story gets uncovered you know while you're not not at work i think most of the times i think or if, i think it'll, i'll say it's a mix again so i think uh, sometimes it's a but i think it's very important to has it off time to let this the story huh. seep in the data seep in um and huh. it might come back to you while you're not doing work and it might come back to you when you're doing work but i think i will never hmm. be able to do it if i don't have that uh, you know off time from the from the project and that's why many clients want hmm. the deck almost every client wants a deck yesterday but uh, <laughs> but we tell them that we can't do it because we know that uh, it won't take less than 4 weeks in any way because it does take time for us to just leap over the of the idea and information and hence it, take, it takes hmm. that time hmm. do you do you have shower moment kind of things uh, epiphanies i sometimes do yeah actually i mean i uh, <laughs> may not mean shower but uh, it does happen all the time where i so, think of that hey i want to quick take a quick note of this because this seems like uh, anchor or uh, close to yeah. the anchor for my story and for me to write so just you know uh, comparing notes here reflection really matters of course i work alone i, I don't have a team and i sometimes miss that uh, so I, i'm really looking forward to this podcast by the way to to, to fulfill my need for discussion <laughs> but uh, so i hear a lot i read a lot i see a lot and then i need to process it right so i call it the 3 r strategy so you need to read and reading means or or all kind of information input you need to reflect and then you need to finally write so uh, the reflection part is incredibly important and i have realized that you know you can't you know leave it vaguely that ha huh, i'll reflect at any point so uh, at least um, whenever time permits and I, i try and go for a morning cycle ride and that's where i almost sometimes give myself a problem okay this client meeting is coming up and here is a problem now go and it's almost like i've told my brain to focus on that problem invariably i will get something at the end of that ride no you're right so, i yeah, see i, I do that too i mean many, many times when uh, i will go for a cycle ride too actually and give myself huh. this uh, problem of saying that no i have i'm struggling finding this anchor for the story um i want to think wow. about it and i just go and sometimes it does come sometimes it doesn't sometimes it comes at different time but i think that <laughs> the cycling and thinking in the back of the mind uh, has a role to play yeah, even yeah. if it doesn't come at that point in time and i really like this concept of uh, reading writing and then reflecting um, i think in for us yeah reading reflection and yeah, writing so yeah so for us i think even the writing <laughs> also happens with the the visual thinking so many times instead of just writing many huh. times we when we start sketching a slide uh, or a concept it does make us ah. think clearly because we can now visually think this various pieces how they are moving and what you're thinking what what is the gap basically allows to probably uncover Amazing. a gap in our thinking that's a fascinating point i i've never thought of course i i do that obviously when uh, i'm getting stuck i'll i'll try and you know just sketch it on on a piece of paper that's what you're trying to tell that absolutely and uh, 
so because in your mind it will be all over the place in on a piece of paper when you see the pieces how the pieces interact it becomes yeah. easier so so great so now if we come back to the you know your, your process you you've done the brainstorming the reflection you come up with let's say the anchor and you now have a broad sense of the narrative now moving on to the slides uh how would you describe your process for that so we basically starts sketching the slides that's the first step i think for us every step uh, whether it is uh, drafting a narrative or sketching the slides or designing the slides all of these steps are actually in parallel while we're building the deck it, in parallel they are also helping us discover the gaps uh, because when you move from story to ah. the sketch the sketch being a visual hmm. format it allows us to uncover some gaps um, it allows us to uncover the gaps and then fix those gaps similarly when we move to design we again realize there are some gaps in our thinking and we fix those gaps that's that's happening in parallel but what we do while sketching is basically now we have the story pieces we look at each of them and uh, again let us uh, absorb the whole story once and then start sketching the slides yeah. out uh, what what i do what what works really well for me is uh, i use this app called uh, onenote uh, on ipad i use a pi pencil and yeah. ipad uh, to sketch because it becomes really easy for me to uh, edit and replicate components and even share with my team but so uh, i make these blocks which are slides and uh, uh, so for each section i'll put a section slide uh, and then to the right side of it i'll keep putting all the slides which fall in the section uh, and then under the section slide i'll put the second section and then and to the right of it again all the slides that go under the section so that way i have like six or seven or eight sections um, uh, vertically and then horizontally i have all these uh, slides which fall under each of these sections and that's where i start sketching these things out and ipad again allows me to um, cut paste and move around and add a slide uh, between two slides um, or remove something so so that's how i do my sketching and once we have the sketch i run the sketch by you know someone in my team so that again if there are something that i have missed out on uh, they can uncover mm -hmm. that and once we have sort of a, a decently approved sketches we again share with the client client gives some inputs uh, they are able to start visualizing how we are thinking of the deck and uh, they again help us uncover some some gaps uh, once we have the a few iterations we have the seems like the sketches are in place parallelly we start the design process so someone in our team will pick up the sketches will explain them what we are really trying to say on this each slide again the process of explaining them we discuss and figure out if there are some gaps and we fix those sketches they will take up the sketches and not uh, just replicate them into design but the sketch becomes like an input for them to think what we are trying to say instead of me just telling them hmm. i'm telling them plus giving my sketch and that becomes like a double layered input for them they use these to yeah. revisualize the slide if they want to and then design mm. the slide and that's where a finals decks are taking shape and over time we have like the whole deck uh, which comes out lots of fascinating points there mohit so one is i just love this idea of saying the visual is not just a an addendum or you know okay we have done with the narrative now the story is uh, locked now just you know convert it into visuals you are actually making the visual process a very active part of the storytelling process of the story narrative process they're saying it's a great way to stress test your narrative is it really holding up and i think that's i i love that uh, concept and you know throughout the 
point whenever you're explaining it to other people you're constantly testing it out which is which is great because you're constantly then strengthening tying up the loose ends making sure that the links are are going well which is great uh one note i i would normally have thought people would use uh you know powerpoint or pen yeah. and paper uh one note is is a very interesting choice and uh, if you have a visual example of you know how this looks i was trying to you know picture because i know broadly how one note looks uh but it might be useful and i can you know maybe share it as a link separately but not not really necessarily required but in case you have something would be great but uh, that that was i think a very cool point so i'll answer this question of one note uh, basically um, i think yeah uh, so one note is definitely a uh, not a usual choice for somebody who works in startups it comes from microsoft so i wouldn't hmm. i wouldn't go to microsoft <laughs> to look for a tool that i can use uh, but interestingly there's nothing which comes even close to one note um, so few reasons i think one biggest reason is i think the unlimited canvas so i can create this to ah. as much Uh, width as I want and as much length as width length. and uh, so both are it's unlimited uh, okay. and then it has uh, it's very versatile in terms of I can sketch I can type in text I can copy paste images uh, to it so it just uh, works very smoothly uh, in that uh, sense fascinating also love this point where you say that you actually run your sketch by the client which is slightly risky strategy right because a client may say yeah this is not complete or yeah, how, how do you do that how do you manage that part so i think uh, uh, so i think rather it helps us uh, it's not may not be yeah, that much of a risk because uh, it allows us to be able to showcase our thinking of how we are thinking of making the deck huh. to the client and they can point hmm. out the errors in our gap in our thinking um, much earlier uh, so that you know it saves our effort on designing for us and uh, otherwise yeah. i think hmm. it delays the project it put makes us do more iterations on the on the design side um so i think it's more helpful if you can share the sketch um so i mean we really haven't faced much of the problem sometimes there are clients who are more uh finicky and so i think the good clients never have given us a problem looking at all of this uh, messy stuff which is happening in the background um it's only yeah. the only the not so good clients probably Uh, would create this as a problem. No, but uh, it's a great point you make. I think it's a. It is probably risky not to do it, and uh, you know I, I'm realizing the th- thing in my question, which is that if you don't do it and you end up spending a lot of time and effort in creating beautiful slides, which then the client says, "No, you don't need it. I didn't want yeah. this at all." Then that's a bigger risk. So it's it's great. It's very rare though, but for a designer or a consultant or anybody too, it's almost like a chef telling a customer that, "Hey, come in and see my dish half half cooked." Is this okay? Is this what you want? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. And, I mean, I, uh, I think uh, we we um, probably I have no background of having worked with any design agency, so, so, so to say. Huh. And probably whatever we are doing hmm. is we are learning firsthand um, and trying it out. So uh, probably we are slow in that learning, hence. But at the same time, I think we are discovering. No, no I think what you're doing is is smart, um, and it's so uh, this is fabulous. video by steve jobs and I'll, i'll put a link to that in the podcast uh, you know comments where he talks about how pixar is different from most of the other companies and he talks about saying that in animation you um, cannot shoot or you cannot animate more than what's required as against normal live uh, you know action movies so in a live action movie let's say it's a one and a half hour movie they end up shooting maybe 3 4 5 hours because the actor is going to be there only once so you take five takes or whatever you take extra and then you shoot a lot of extra footage and then you edit 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 
so because you know you can't get the actor again on the other hand in animation it's very very expensive to you know to render the level of detail that they do so uh, if they end up making an animated movie for even 10 minutes or 15 minutes more that extra 10 15 minutes will be very expensive so they need to know the story really well and so he talks about how Walt Disney himself had you know found a solution to that problem where they will create a story and then they will do this very scratch kind of an output you know rough drawings scratch voices mm. and they will actually try and show it as a movie to an audience and then they will say are yaar this story is not working you know it's 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 falling apart here this is not a good uh, segue blah 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 and then they will keep reworking the story till they get it right and that's the reason why pixar you know pretty much all their movies do so well so you've kind of uh, internalized that lesson i think and you're doing that you know sharing of the uh the sketch even very before the final take i think very that's a great insight that's that's, uh, that's something i didn't know so, and that's very interesting to know i'll share that uh, it's, it's a, yeah it's a fascinating insight and so um i think all of this and uh, also the point of you know you're not treating the the design person the person who's actually creating the slide as just a person saying hey yeah please take this and create the slide exactly as i want you are giving him input and then saying okay now you take your call you are the visual guy you are the designer how will you retell this story so i think a ton of um, insights uh, from from that section too do you guys then once let's say he is kind of completed uh, i'm guessing there will be you know some back and forth and some finalization uh, from a visual point of view is there any other step that's uh, remaining not really it's just uh, a few rounds of iteration so when we have five six slides hmm. uh, which we like uh, after a few internal iterations we share it with the client to run it by them to say this is the visual language we're thinking yeah. and again if they kind of feel okay which most of the clients are typically are um, and uh, then it's you know when we continue building in the same direction so i think our own standard okay. of design is so high that um, most design most most of our clients never have a problem with the design quality in any way i can imagine and then now let's say you've completed and you shipped the final product Do you guys get involved in some way in the delivery also? I, I guess. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Our, our job is basically to just put the story, um, yeah, bring out the story, Perfect. and put it in a structured format of a presentation, and hand it over to the client. And what? Uh, so the, uh, you know, just to for the listeners, there are broadly two types of decks. You know, decks are exist on a on a spectrum. So on the one end of the spectrum is a deck that is supposed to be read by itself. It's something that's typically emailed, let's say, to an investor in this case, and the investor opens up on, on his or her phone or or desktop or whatever, and then flips through the pages. And the you know the writing has to tell the story on its own. There's nobody talking about it. So there's an email deck to be read. On the other end of the spectrum is a, a presentation where the person is there, very much there, either uh, physically or virtually, and taking the audience through the slides. So in your case, you're creating primarily the email. That's deck. right. In most cases, that's what happens. But uh, people do end up using uh, our decks for in-person meetings also. So what we end up doing actually is uh, uh, creating a two, two levels of slides within the same slide. So we make the slides in a way okay. where if somebody's uh, you know skimming through the slides, there is just the right amount of information he can see and skip the all the detail. And when someone is reading through the right. slides and wants to spend more time. uh he can actually find the details there itself but it is de- designed in a way the contrast between the two set of information so much that he knows as detail and can skip it um and everything else will give me just enough information so if the same deck is presented uh 
on a projector, then he would not be bothered by or distracted by all the detail. But when he's reading the deck, right. uh, he can choose to go in detail and understand all of those points with the with the detail written there. Ah, that is a fascinating point. Uh, normally, I would think of having two separate decks altogether, one for emailing and one for presenting. But what you're doing is giving an interesting via media, which is have a single deck, but uh, use what I call as visual hierarchy and what you're calling as uh, contrast between the two sets of information uh, to make it work for both use cases, uh, both uh, reading and, and for watching as a presentation. Very interesting. All right. So uh, that was very useful, Mohit, in terms of understanding your process, all the key steps. I wanted to now talk about some specific types of information that are slightly more difficult to present and whether you have any uh, approach or something for that. So for example, let's say you've got a company who you're uh, trying to write a story for, which has got a fairly technically difficult to understand uh, product, uh, you know, uh, very uh, esoteric technological terms, etc. How do you try and, you know, explain that in an easier way? So I feel that most concepts actually at a, at a very fundamental level, they're fairly simple to understand uh, if you mm. if you can if you can break down a concept into a few pieces i think most people can make sense of it um, that's what we have come to realize i think what makes something look complex is typically because um, you know somebody's trying to say too many things um, and those too many things can wait out for some time and uh, you know if mm. you if you build out the a complex system in a way as layers let's say where you're explaining the most fundamental layer to understand. And, uh, you know, uh, so to give example, let's say if I have to talk about uh, Swiggy as a company, you might, yeah. uh, it's easier uh -huh. for someone to understand Swiggy as a, as a food delivery company, right? Uh, or even Uber right. as a taxi company. But if you start looking more closely, uh, you know, because now, now, we, now we know the narrative, we can think of the simple one, but let's say if you have to understand Swiggy or Uber for that matter, We'll start seeing them as more of a transportation company, right? They they do a lot of other stuff. Um, for example, Uber would do pool, and they would do five different kind of uh, cars, uh. and they would do intercity and intracity. Um, and now Uber in some some uh, countries is also doing pick up and drop service, like Swiggy does locally. So right. so they become like right. a transportation layer. And but if you have to now explain that transportation layer to someone, it becomes very hard. But what what we're seeing, why why we're able to understand Swiggy or Uber for that matter is because we understand the first basic layer. So we understand Swiggy as some someone who will pick up an order who has a bunch of guys with them. So they, they will, once the order comes to, so we can go to an app as a consumer, we can go to an app, post an order from a hotel, from a restaurant. Yeah. They will send that order to some other guy uh, who's a delivery boy. He'll go pick up the order from that place and send it to us. It's a food delivery app. And then on top of that, you can say, hey, by the way, now we have all these people roaming around in a city. They can also help you pick up stuff from one person to an, and drop it at other person, mm. right? And that's how, mm. if you understand this in layers, you'll start understanding what Swiggy really is or any other business for that matter, right? So, uh, so I think in most cases, if you can break down into uh, layers, um, anything, I think it becomes mm. fairly simple to to explain to anyone. Interesting uh, concept to use of layers instead of typically people will say component parts or process steps. A layer is a is a you know instead of uh, it, looking at it from individual separate parts, you are kind of thinking of it as a multi-layer cake. So that that's very interesting. Any um, 
kind of esoteric example that you remember where uh, somebody came to you with a and of course you may, may be difficult for you to share the name of the company but uh, uh, you know what what technique did you use to make it easier to be understood for uh, the investors i think this happens quite often i'm not sure if i'll be able to huh. um, not just share the details but i think uh, i'll be able to explain uh, without really going in depth of what someone does but we were recently working mm-hmm. with a company which basically uh, basically what they do is they they leverage a local merchant in a rural area to deliver services and products right. to them so that he can now help serve uh, the customers in his uh, area right now this company has a very different approach so there are quite a few companies in this domain but the company we are working with has a um, quite a different approach on how they do it and uh, because what they had is basically they have a very open platform in which um, any company can come and sign up and submit their services uh, which will go to this merchant yeah. instead of this mer- this company controlling all the services which are going to go to the merchant so so they're like an app store let's say where somebody can come and publish um, their app which will be published to the merchant and now merchant can use this app to help people shop from the website now i think there was we have come down to this understanding this clarity of how to explain this like the way i explained to you i think for the first time when the when they came and they were trying to explain the whole concept um it was yeah. it sound very messy to us i mean it, it was not very clear and now uh, when we put it back like this to the company they also kind of really like it and they have a, they have adopted this approach basically what we had to do <laughs> was basically cut down on a few things and say we will not talk about these three things because they don't they're not adding a lot of value and anyways they don't contributing significantly to your revenue so maybe we can leave it out and they said that's fine that's a, that's a good idea we can leave it out and we simplified a few terms like they were using terms like um, our developer portal which is basically a technical term for where people developers can come and use the api of a company and do something with that and we like instead of calling developer right. portal why don't you just call it a Uh, a brand portal where brands are coming and publishing it like a b- app store you know you can maybe call it a app store where you come and publish your app yeah. so just simplifying those terms which are more easy to relate with and cutting down on some of the things um and keeping the the whole model simple i think this so um so i think that kind of helped us uh, get this right that's fascinating i think that really explains and uh so what uh, you know for, for the listeners what's been used here is i think uh, one of the most powerful techniques in storytelling which is to try and come up with the right analogy and uh, the idea is that you have something which is technical but what is it that you can connect it or make it relatable to the audience in terms uh, or concepts that are known to the audience and that's a constant tussle and we always you know in, in our mind we try to kind of think of it but a storyteller will try and do it more deliberately and the value add that as mohit is you know mentioning can be really huge because it uh, makes it easier for the audience themselves to understand right so for for the uh, start the founders themselves to understand i think there's a huge value add there so i think technical concepts i think analogies are uh, really powerful that's a great example there mohit uh, a couple of other points uh, if you have uh, numbers so traction numbers or you know you know scale increase decrease any tips or thoughts on uh, showing numbers better i think those are simpler ones maybe i think uh, though most people do get that that wrong but i think it's fairly simple for us uh, and that so okay so basically for us anything uh, is driven by 
the the primary story we look at what we are really trying to say in the whole deck and we look at what we are really really trying to say in each section and that sort of drives okay. the the content of the slide the message of the slide once we clear about the message of the slide that we want to say uh it really just allows us to figure out um what to what to bring attention to so when we are presenting data uh, many times the client will say hey let's put this uh, data chart of let's say how my number of apps grew uh, number of downloads yeah. grew or my uh, how my number of merchants on my platform grew and uh, we like what are you really trying to say so you're putting this graph but what do you really want to say uh, because in their head the the out the the takeaway is obvious but mostly the <laughs> audi- for audience the takeaway is not obvious right so when they look at the graph they are saying that this means that you know we have been growing so fast or the pace of growth is is what is coming out of this but it is not coming out they feel it's coming out because they already know the story so we yeah. we make sure that one we uncover what are you really trying to say uh, what's the key message of the of the graph or the data that you're trying to say, show um, and then make sure that use our visual abilities uh, graphic design abilities to sort of um, emphasize that point to bring attention to that point so if i'm only focusing on on the uh if i want to bring attention to the speed of it i will maybe put an arrow which is going growing very fast on top of a bar chart if my objective is to bring okay. attention to the last bar the latest data point i will color it differently versus uh-huh. the other ones right so that's how we'll use a, the graphic design as a tool to enhance that communication that is so insightful mohit and i think uh, i cannot stress on that enough that numbers itself by itself don't tell stories you have to find the story behind the numbers and to really the the, the right word you use there was a message you have to try and find the message that you want to highlight and then everything is going to be in service of that message uh, the the right visuals you will use what will you highlight what will you push to the background so yeah i think that that's a great point uh, on on highlighting numbers uh, another element of storytelling is telling what i call as human stories that uh, there are of course numbers on saying okay so many merchants so many here now you have to let's say tell the story of an individual merchant or an individual uh, customer or uh, sometimes the story of the founder founder or founders themselves how do you approach that so those also the uh, so those are again we look at as tools that we have available uh that we can use um in our deck right so we don't go by deciding we have to use it because we have it uh we mm-hmm. look at how, what purpose does it serve so for example if i need to bring out the idea that this founder has spent a lot of years in this industry um or they have you know really built this grounds up they have spent time understanding the uh by being the doing everything with their hands in this industry then i would maybe use the founder story in that way uh, so that the story highlights those points they have done this similarly if i need to right. if i feel that the st- the product is very hard to explain or maybe the the value proposition is very hard to explain uh, because the value proposition is not coming out so much clearly in the numbers and uh, that's when we might end up using the customer stories because as soon as somebody relates to the story it becomes more clear for them to be able to see the non quantitative parts the benefits uh, of the product value proposition so in though that's that's how we decide whether we want to use it or not uh, the way to representation again is driven by the fact that what is that we really want to bring out uh, typically capturing 
uh, highlighting those specific areas that we think are important to mm. bring out uh, whether it's a, a the founder having worked in a specific company has to has to come out or you know they having spent many years doing it has to come out or the founder the two founders knowing each other for many years uh, does that have to come out so depending on what has to come out the visuals are just a tool for us to bring that part out of the story superb yeah so again for me um the connect that happens with the normal business storytelling is that highlight what is a variance from the norm so what do i mean by that the norm is the the regular the usual the average so if you've got a founder who doesn't necessarily have a very extraordinary background who doesn't have necessarily let's say more experience than other typical founders or who doesn't have any you know uh, patents or whatever to his credit then maybe there's no major story to be told but if you find that the founder is a person who's got a great differentiated story his story is a variance from the norm of other founders then i think that's a great point that to highlight that so that that's i think a great point you make and the second one about saying that you know if you have a product that is slightly difficult to understand nothing makes it easier than a human yeah. story and you know tell me the story of one consumer who's actually benefited real consumer if possible and that really makes it and this uh, i find this is very useful for anybody who's in technology because in technology you're almost always talking in uh, you know the technical terms and you're sometimes far removed from the end user or the end customer so i think tell it in in the form of the impact or the benefit for the customer is is a great way to make it easier for the audience to understand so these are very useful mohit i think all these points that you mentioned now let's say there's a a startup founder or a sales leader who doesn't have the time or ability to engage deck uh, rooster what can they do of course you know the, the, all these tips are there but if you were them and let's say they have a critical presentation or meeting coming up next week they've got about a week to make it uh, what would you advise them to do what is the approach advise them to take that's an interesting question so uh, i think uh, what i would tell them is uh, so so i think one is if they have already spent time making the deck a few times a few iterations that puts them in a good position uh, to be able to really do um, to make use of it the uh, basically to mm. make it better because um, if somebody has not done the deck ask me um, and they have to this is the first time they are making the deck for that purpose i don't think any of the inputs mm. can really help them because uh, they really have to you know um sort of let all this information that they have um uh, seep into them and so process of making the presentation sort of forces that seeping in happen and once you have this information in that's when you are in a position to basically start crafting a better narrative now what i would say once you have gone through this iteration a few times yourself and then you're making a take uh or let's say even if you're making it for the first time let's say uh what i would say is to start thinking about the audience first and say who's my audience mm. and what is this mm. one thing that i want to really tell them so if they have to go away from my uh presentation uh, or my pitch what is that i want them to move away and how do i want them to tell to someone else what they have what is the take away in many Super. sales calls in many sales processes also the sale doesn't happen with the meeting that you are having It typically happens when this guy that you spoke to 
he goes and tells someone some other stakeholders in the company right so you have to really empower this guy to become your brand ambassador uh, or your the flag bearer of your message right for that the message has to be simple enough so you have to think about that if you have i mean you, the common word for this could be let's say elevator pitch but let's say if you here is a guy that you have in front of you and what does he feel what does he believe and what is that you want to tell him right if you can nail down the message that you want to tell him now from there on you can start thinking about okay if i want to tell him this what are the hesitations that he has right so make sure that in my message those hesitations are taken care of because when i tell this Super. message he is going to go against this message because of these hesitations so my message hmm. plus answer to his hesitations probably becomes my anchor forget about story for a moment and say here is my message right now if you have to tell that message and you have to have more time to expand on that message just say here is how i will say it statement like statement number 1 what will you really say statement 2 statement 3 these kind of become your titles for the slides right so don't think of any mm. templates think of these as slides each slide having a message so if your entire message can be conveyed by uh, 15 sub messages that's how you should think of is what are those 15 sub messages that you want to tell him in a certain order that at the end of this 15 messages he kind of believes or at least he gets a message right um now you can say that you might tell the message but he might not believe in those messages hmm. the sub messages right so for each slide the way we use each slide is that the message of the slide we put in the title and the the data to back that message is becomes the content of the slide right so think of your slides as uh, if somebody is skimming through it then the title can do its job and they can you know get done with it right. in like couple of minutes just going through the titles and they get the story uh, but if they want to doubt if they have a doubt on any of the message and if they want to spend more time um truly believing in what you're saying they can look at the data in the slide and that slide data is continuously mm. supporting the message right so that's how you should look at making the deck um and not look at any template i think over time the templates template will emerge and you can improve and then you can look at once you have this base structure with you i think then you can look at a template and say hey my template says that i should cover about um the opportunity also have i covered enough about opportunity and ah, then you can nice, go back nice. and say hey yeah, 15 yeah. messages become 16 mm-hmm. messages mm-hmm. because i missed out opportunity right. and i see that after my fourth message the opportunity point becomes really critical to speak here and then you go back to template again and say hey template says that i should talk about competition hey i'm not talking about the competition <laughs> here uh, or i'm not talking enough so that's how you can look at uh, you, you can look at templates and any others any anyone else's deck to sort of verify whether you're covering everything uh, or not but i think i think otherwise just go by look at what the core message is and what are some messages to convey that message that's superb mohit so um uh, you know sometimes people think of templates as visual templates of course what you're referring to here is the the contents uh, template and uh, oh my god every vc pe worth their salt will have some sort of a template right on their uh, on their site and i'm sure a poor founder will say acha okay first i have to talk about the opportunity then i have to talk about here so if you do that then that's not going to be a great story at all so i really like the way mohit saying you know think through the story and write it down on paper do not use the template as a recipe book it's not a recipe book it's a checklist that at the end you're just checking to say have i put all the ingredients that are relevant and maybe one out of the ingredients may not even be relevant for you so don't fuss too much 
but to use it as a checklist i think so great templates i have uh, a, i mean another way to look at this is uh, so think of your um, cv that all of us made the first cv that we made in our colleges um, you know huh. uh, if you ask anyone how did you make your cv in the college uh, the answer typically is that you know you picked up somebody else's cv and yes, made yours yes right? yes all uh, save us yeah that's how we all did and many times the mission of mission is same the hobbies are the same right so that's how we all <laughs> made cvs now see what what if you look at it uh, closely what really happens is those cv formats are actually coming from employers or let's say even if not coming from employer they are very employer friendly but what i mean by saying that is basically they allow an employer to skim through hundreds of cvs very quickly right, and say right, hey you quickly. don't tell me your story you don't try to pitch to me as a employee uh, of why you might be good for my company but just tell me you know which school you went to how, how much marks you got and i i know which ones to pick up yeah. right now that's a very employer right, friendly right. format uh, what you want Shortlisting what too. you want as an employee is basically you want to have something which is more employee friendly only i know some of you might be employers and you know many of us come across once in a while this resume or cv which is which is not like a talent format it just says things in some huh. sort of some story now it might be harder for us to go through 100 of those but it is very employee right. friendly now put yourself in the shoes of this employee when you are pitching someone something it could be a sales pitch or a investor pitch where what we're doing by picking up somebody else's template uh, or a airbnb deck which is very popular is basically we're looking at <laughs> something which worked for someone else replicating it most templates actually forget about yeah. airbnb deck but most templates that you come is basically they are very vc friendly in the sense that they will help a vc go uh, through hundreds of decks very quickly and they say hey i'm a smart uh, guy you uh, don't have to explain things to me you just tell me these 10 points and i'll figure out whether you are you know worth salt for me or not but what you need wow. to do as a as a founder is basically found a find a format which allows you to tell your story better so uh, you know look at what somebody is saying when you look at a template by a vc look at it in a way that hey okay so this vc is saying i want all this okay i'll think about it but i'm not going to give it all to you like this right i'm going Brilliant. to make my own format and i'm going to check that oh you care hmm. about competition let me think about whether competition makes sense in my story or not right you care about the business model let me see if i'm covering business model enough or not right so don't go by any of that advice um, don't implement it basically incorporate it right so that's how we look at uh, the templates don't implement it in that's a lovely line don't implement but incorporate the template using a checklist i think yeah that's that is very very powerful advice uh, it's also it is not easier it is hard work because it's easier to say acha template just fill it up and then we are done but uh, i think your uh, your work your hard work uh, deserves a better story so i think it it is worth to invest that extra time and uh, you will you will stand out uh, in the eyes of the the customer or the investor whosoever the audience might that's be that's right this is lovely uh, yeah, mohit uh, i want to you know we are kind of coming close to wrapping up uh, want to talk to you about uh, who are some of the the storytellers the business investor uh, other kind of storytellers that you look up to in the world i i don't know i mean i i don't i'm not fan of uh, anyone in the sense i think but i um i love elon musk uh, the way he um, uh, he basically mm. allows people to connect with such complex stuff like you know going to mars and all or even electric cars which huh. is not something which which is very uh, let's say consumerish in that sense but he has been able right. to simplify those messages in such a way 
that we all feel excited about going to mars um, you know and yeah. that's a power of story because the way he tells in the narr- narrative um it yeah. you can sort of resonate with that right and i think it's it's also yep. part of um whenever you come across elon musk he never comes across as someone who is very well crafted in his speech you know he's fumbling yes um, yes yes and, cannot cannot right? agree and more you yeah have, you have to be someone um who seems like a real person and not like a super yeah. well crafted person i think that's something that we consciously try to use in our decks also we and this is something that we heard from though we knew from no looking at elon musk but you know one of the vcs tells me one that you know uh, whenever we look at a very well crafted deck um we suddenly become too conscious of it and say this this deck is so well crafted there has to be loopholes uh, right and this uh, wow. so we make sure that our decks they look very nice but they don't look like um like a art work of art right they should look messy enough huh. to some extent it seems real enough right so um, i think we because as when i started this i was not a graphic designer formally i think that kind of worked in my favor right. that you know i made probably yeah. a lot of mistakes from a graphic design perspective but i think uh, yeah. Yeah. i looking back now i think it's it is all good so to answer your question i think coming back to it i think elon musk is one guy that really fascinates me in terms of the way he is able to connect um, all this complex stuff with people um, yeah right anyone else uh, it could be outside the business world also uh nothing comes to mind i think uh, uh, hmm. nothing comes to mind specifically i think uh, uh, i do uh, yeah i think this i mean steve jobs and elon musk are more popular ones and more visible ones that are there um, right. yeah that's all i can think of i think apart from that uh, now when you asking it i think uh, whenever i look at um, you know Shekhar Gupta who's telling stories on the print yeah. or uh, yeah. you know yeah. John Oliver on the the last week yeah. i think i feel <laughs> that all of them are yeah. great storytellers because uh, uh, whenever they're True. putting together this videos i think because of uh, their storytelling abilities they're able to figure out how to connect these complex subjects that they're talking about to people simplify them That's and build them layer by layer yeah. um, so i think a lot of mm. these also and even all i think a lot of this stand up comedians right many of these guys are like great yeah. storytellers i think the concept of storytelling yeah. are underlying in any of these things whether it's john oliver or shekhar gupta or any of these stand up comedians they all use the same concepts true now this is yeah it strikes me so much mohit because if you look at my website of course it's it's due for an overall now but one of my original themes or you know objectives was this you know to try and study some of these guys and the you're right the, it's if you go to shekhar gupta you go to harsha bhogle you go to um you know guys who write about science bill bryson who writes brilliantly about science malcolm gladwell who writes about mm-hmm. non fiction uh, the uh, social science all of these guys are great storytellers and if you kind of unpack their uh, techniques you will pick up things that can be used in in regular business everyday work right so i think it's, it's fascinating any books or podcasts that have had a big influence on you right books podcasts videos yeah i think so i um, i really enjoy listening to the knowledge project uh, by shane parish um on the right. podcast i think i i just love that i um, i think uh, navel ravikant uh, he's very active on twitter and hmm. uh, on his podcast i think i love listening to his thoughts um even kunal shah for that matter from free charge and cred um i think uh, these are some of the people i kind of look up to properly and uh, do 
read up what they say regularly uh, i think in terms yeah. of books i do end up reading quite a bit around uh, presentations i think uh, uh, so nancy duarte uh, uh, who runs this company called duarte um, which does yep. something similar to what we do uh, i think i i love reading her books i think uh, they have been doing this for 25 plus years and they have been able to uh, crystallize their thoughts really well and i think great work yeah. they have put in all this information in the books and uh, put this out i love reading that i think uh, uh, jerry wisman i think that's a book that you recommended to me the presenting to win uh, i loved it i yeah, yeah. thoroughly loved that book and again the pyramid principle was also one of the books i keep referring back to on when you structuring our right. um, our in- structure of the information that we have in a deck um, that's in the book right. um, yeah These are great, great uh, choices. Uh, Duarte, I sometimes call them as a McKinsey of the storytelling. They definitely world. are. Yeah, they, they're really, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really the top of the notch. And uh, I loved one quote by Kunal Shah that you had uh, liked on LinkedIn. I think so, and it I think resonates a lot with what you do, right? So I I think it said that uh, um, if you try to be everything for everybody before you're something for somebody, you will end up being nothing That's for true. nobody. That's so true. Yeah. and yeah so it's it's a trap that uh, is is uh, something that all of us can fall into that's true it's just hard to great point uh, stick to one thing i think it's uh, yeah. uh, i mean i tell so many people that technically you can do 20 things you know even we can do 20 things the skills required are the same and it just seems so counterintuitive not do all of them because the clients need it we can do it and why not um, it just said i think uh, in the long term it's going to Uh, harm you more, and doing few things will help you so much more that it just makes more sense. But I think it's harder for people to see long term. Um, you know, it's shorter <laughs> term is more easy to see. It's just human nature that we have. Yeah. Hey, this has been fabulous, Mohit. Uh, is there something else that you'd like to talk about that I've missed asking? No, I think uh, I mean I really enjoyed being part of this conversation. I think uh, <laughs> you have been able to bring out so many things out of me that I myself had. probably stop thinking about some of these things and i think uh, many of my own ideas you articulate so well back to me that i this seemed like a new ideas to me I, so uh, thank you so much for making me part of this i loved it no you're being too kind i i, I was uh, like thoroughly enjoying it and so many new points that i had not thought of that and of course you know many of this corroborate with what i kind of think and uh, know and have read of but many of these were very new points or new takes on the same points so i absolutely loved it i think there's a lot of value for anybody who will be listening to this uh, whether they are from the startup world or not so when i thought of creating a podcast on the art and craft of storytelling conversations like these were what i had in mind mohit has been extremely generous with sharing his hard-earned insights and i'm sure anyone who wants to improve their pitch storytelling can learn a ton from these perhaps you know some of those folks it would be great if you can rate and review this podcast on itunes spotify google podcast or wherever you listen to them it'll help others like you discover these insights until next time may the force of good stories be with you